You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Kiel uh, over on Highway 32. Uh, over, I'm trying to describe, think of the best way, north of Sheboygan. Um, apparently very close to St. Nazian's, um, which I'm still not sure if that's the right way to pronounce. <laughs> but it's pretty close. I can see it now on my map because I've looked up all these small, tiny little towns. And apparently it's very close. Um, but yeah, ESPN Kiel today. And joining me as always is my good friend, Frank Madden. Frank is also the founder of brewhoop.com. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, my my fourth was, I'd say quiet, but good. My, my mom is in town from Wisconsin, hanging out, helping out with our baby and you know, being being my mom, so that's always awesome to have her around. So, uh, so yeah, nothing nothing too exciting, but uh, but uh, spending time with family. So it's always a good uh, always a good way to spend the fourth. What about you? Uh, pretty relaxing. Uh, ended up covering the Brewers game yesterday, and then uh, a bunch of my family was decided to go to the game, and then had a little cookout after, and it was uh, a nice relaxing fourth. I got to eat some food, and it was it was all good. Um, I'm trying to think. Is there uh did did Matilda get to see any fireworks? Did, was that something that freaked her out cuz she didn't <laughs> comprehend it? Did she not see any? I'm very curious about all of that. You know, um we didn't go anywhere for for any fireworks. I'm I'm generally out on fireworks. I, not a I big don't fan. think they're that I don't think they're that interesting. I'm not going to like go someplace in order to see fireworks. Um I did hear some uh last night and uh she was already asleep and seemed to sleep through it so nothing nothing too exciting and uh uh of my dogs one of them is deaf and the other just doesn't care about fireworks or thunder or anything like that well, so they're pretty good, good. I, I i feel like i've seen a lot i was seeing a lot of um stuff on on twitter uh and instagram about like you know people who have dogs who are freaked out by fireworks and they go hide in closets and things like that so um i have not had that issue but uh Shout out to dog owners out there who have to deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah, that sounds terrible, um, especially with like anytime you're around a city, and I mean like just being around Milwaukee, there are just random fireworks going off at all times. So if your dog is terrified of that, that uh, yeah, that would be really bad. Um, it would not be fun at all. Uh, speaking of fireworks, there have been none with the Milwaukee Bucks in the few days uh, we've taken off since uh, the last time we convened. Uh, there's been no Jabari Parker offer. There's been, uh, no Jabari Parker chatter. Uh, I'm not really hundred percent sure. I'm trying to think of the last news item we saw about Jabari Parker and there just really isn't any. And, um, I, I think it'll, it'll be kind of interesting to watch because like there was the news item. I don't know if you saw tonight, like Marcus Smart said the Celtics haven't even contacted him and he's like, 
pissed off about it. He's mad that they haven't even reached out to him. And uh, I'm curious, you know, maybe if we haven't heard that report yet, maybe that means the Bucks have reached out to Parker and are very consistent in their messaging. And Jabari doesn't want to release that. Uh, or Jabari in his camp with his agent, Mark Bartlestein, doesn't, don't want to, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know when any of this uh, comes to a head because it could just end up, you know, no one really says anything and no one leaks anything and we just go on for for a couple weeks. I don't really know how it's going to go. Yeah, I think the last maybe specific thing we saw as of tonight, which is Thursday night, um, there was a talk that the Kings didn't really view Jabari or were not really in on Jabari because of uh, at least the, the discussion was that because he's more of a four and they obviously just drafted Marvin Bagley, um, which is makes sense. Um but uh, who knows, right? I mean, again, like the Kings are one of those teams, like we said, you know, you always watch out for the dumb teams to to potentially say, ah, forget it, screw it, let's let's do something. Um, and uh, they they have been linked in the last twenty four hours with potentially near nearing a an offer sheet, maybe for Zach Levine uh, from the Bulls, uh, or at least you know being in some sort of discussion for that. Levine is kind of like Parker, just sort of been in limbo, not any. I don't know. No, no, no discussion of of a you know of an offer really from anybody. Um, <laughs> Nick Ferdell from ESPN uh, did he did have that uh, that tweet which I thought was funny <laughs> where he tweeted out somebody asked him some question about you know what what the you know what the deals with Levine and I think he tweeted something effective. Well, you know the team would feel you know they they'd be more comfortable something on the order of like four years, sixty million, something on that like that, and they're you know kind of concerned with going a lot of you know, much beyond that. And Levine replied to him on Twitter with just the like crying laughing emoji. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, Zach Levine may just need the the crying emoji if if uh, mm-hmm. if things kind of continue as they have. So so I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Zach Levine kind of he's only had one one ACL injury um, as opposed to Jabari's two. But you know, as much as they're you know different positional different positions, and you know, obviously there's a big difference between the two of them. A lot of the same sort of general, you know, kind of ideas, I think, sparking maybe reticence of teams to to spend money on them, right? Just yep. a couple of guys who are viewed as, you know, either they're explosive scorers who have this star potential because of it, or that's the very charitable reading, or, you know, the more pessimistic reading is they're empty calorie scorers who don't play defense and, you know, they haven't really impacted winning in any kind of meaningful way um, and have had injuries. And obviously, Levine coming off one ACL, you worry about that a far less than Jabari coming off of two. But um, but both have, you know, some some baggage um, as far as just what kind of players they're going to be and, and how good they can be. And so um, certainly uh, it will be interesting to see if, if Levine does get an offer sheet. You know, w- what does it look like? Right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see do the Kings actually give him a big number? Do they? Do they go above 15, below 15? You know, I, I yeah. don't know. Um, I think with the Bulls, there's probably a lot more of an assumption they would match more or less anything just because, I mean, they traded for him in the Jimmy Butler. I mean, he was nominally, I guess, a lot. Well, I don't know if this is really true, but a lot of people obviously viewed him as sort of the centerpiece of the Jimmy Butler trade just a year ago when he was coming off the ACL tear. So, you know, it's not like he tore his ACL after the trade and now they're, you know, have all these questions about him. I mean, you would have thought that they liked him a lot going into that trade. And again, did they learn something last year? Who knows? But um, you would assume that they would not just let him walk. Um, but again, I mean, that's where teams often get in trouble, right? They 
decide they can't let a guy walk for nothing and, and they maybe go sp- throw, throw away a lot of money on someone that maybe they shouldn't. But obviously the Bulls, you know, no real pressure on them to to compete in the short term. So that's another reason why I feel like, you know, given kind of where they are and the flexibility they have salary-wise, it just seems like they're likely to match. But obviously right now, you know, Marcus Smart, Jabari Parker, Zach Levine, all these guys sort of sitting around trying to get that offer sheet because it seems like their their teams are, you know, not exactly uh, – in any rush to to throw them big money without without some competition for it yeah and uh, i mean uh, i was listening to uh adrian wojnarowski and bobby marks they rec- recorded a few uh podcasts for you know like the third and the fourth when everyone from espn was going to kind of be out of town and be on vacation and kind of some of the, like the last things that they were hearing before they left and uh they ended up talking about the lakers and then on the second part of their conversation they talked about like the restricted free agency market and kind of how all that's going and they did mention the fact that you know there are whispers out there that the the kings are going to make a big offer to levine and that would be uh the way that he gets his money but uh then Woj said and this is something i transcribed the restricted free agent market is just decimated i don't know where these guys are going to get their money and bobby marks added you usually say to an agent go out and get an offer sheet and we'll deal with it when you come back and it's going to be hard for these players to go out and get one and uh they did end up bringing up jabari parker's name and marcus smart and some clint capella and some of the other restricted free agents but ultimately the only the only one that they really had any sort of news on or intel or whatever you want to call it uh scuttlebutt whatever uh any the only guy that they only had a little bit of information on was levine and you know there there's that whisper that the kings are are gonna do that so uh, i don't know like it's gonna be a, a tough holding pattern for both these sides and um i was curious if how Bucks fans feel or what they think is going to happen. So I don't know if you saw this morning, but I put out a poll and it was pretty much just, Hey, curious about something Bucks fans. So let's put a poll up. When do you think news of Jabari Parker signing a contract will break? And I gave four options today to July 10th, July 11th, July 20th, July 21st, July 31st and August 1st or later. And I mean, there's really no way to know, how quickly anything will move. So this is literally to me, just a, a thought exercise and, you know, just guessing to attempt to figure out when it'll happen. Uh, 35% of people said July 11th to July 20th, 25 said today to July 10th and then 22 to July 21st, 18% said August 1st or later. And I, I don't a hundred percent sure. Like I'm not hundred percent sure where I am. I think I'm probably in the 21 to 31 range. Um, and I don't have any Intel for, Jabari's people will only wait for two weeks to get an offer or the bucks are going to hold out this long. Like I don't have any of that information, but I do just think, like, I think if you're a bucks fan, you, you gotta be ready for, uh, long bouts of silence throughout all of this and you know long stretches of not hearing anything and then maybe something just happening at the end of the month. Like I, this is, it's, it's going to take a while. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, like, you know, coming into the, the you know free agency you know like hearing Gary Wolf talk about all these teams that are going to be interested in Jabari Parker and it's like well at what price I mean to me this is this is what everything comes down to at what price and you know if it's a lot of teams are being interested in Jabari Parker when he's been sitting around for a while and he's desperate for anything and you know you can throw an eight million dollar a year mid-level offer at him and it's not going to get laughed out of the building 
Yeah, I bet there are a bunch of teams that would be interested at, at that number. But you know, again, just to you know, that to me that that's that's a totally different negotiation versus you know him coming into the summer hoping that somebody's going to give him twenty million dollars a year. And so, um, yeah, I think we're you know, I, I I I would at this point be very surprised. Obviously, if he got something in the latter ballpark, you know, twenty million dollar a year at this point for him would just be completely you know going against the market, um, or at least it'd be the most charitable reading. I mean, basically it'd be somebody saying, well, Aaron Gordon got 21 a year and you're better than Aaron Gordon and don't have any of the risks or you don't have any more risks than Aaron Gordon, which, you know, again, I think generally, you know, if you pulled the league, pretty much everybody would say Aaron Gordon's a more valuable asset than Jabari if, if for no other reason than the, the injuries and then also just the defensive concerns. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think, I think the biggest, the the kind of maybe the biggest other variable would be, um, you know, we've heard a lot about some of these teams looking to kind of keep their, their space open in the event that, um, teams are, are looking to dump salary, you know, like do the Lakers at some point, you know, attach an asset to Luol Deng to try to move him to, to make some sort of move. Um, I think there's been a lot of speculation that, that Atlanta, Chicago, uh, Sacramento, that those teams are, are you know, basically sitting around sort of keeping an eye on that opportunity. I, I don't know at what point that becomes less of an opportunity. Um, obviously with the Lakers, there's a, there's a number of factors, including the Kawhi situation that, you know, again, I, I don't, I don't know when that's going to be resolved if ever, <laughs> if ever, at least in the summer. Um, but, uh, but that, that might be the one other kind of big variable is to, you know, do those teams at some point say, okay, you know, we're not going to use this. We, we don't think we're going to be able to use our cap space to to blackmail some team to you know that that desperately needs to shed salary. Um, maybe we'll maybe we'll try to just go throw some money at a at a restricted free agent. But but again, even at that point, you know you're probably not doing it for some some huge number, right? At that point, you're trying to be more opportunistic. And and again, then it introduces sort of a weird dynamic because if the number is lower then their assumption is well then there's a higher likelihood the bucks just match and so that's really what you need to try to drive some sort of of sign and trade talk because again nobody's going to give up i mean no sane gm should give up real assets for the privilege of giving jabari parker 20 million dollars a year right i mean the only time you're going to give up assets for jabari is if you're getting him for what you think is actually like a really good upside play which could be you know again maybe that's nine or ten million dollars a year you know after you factor in raises on like a mid-level or something like that at that point i think you definitely could see a team be willing to give up you know some real assets maybe a contract that isn't terrible or at least a guy on a contract who is who can play um and and maybe some type of you know again i i I mean i think i I feel like it's probably wishful thing to think you're going to get a rotation guy and like a protected first round pick or something like that i just don't foresee that for Jabari, especially in sort of how little interest there seems to be in him. Um, you know, it, could it be a, a useful but perhaps somewhat overpaid or longer term contract guy that you can also get as part of a, a salary dump where you include like Delhi or Henson or somebody like that? Um, that might be kind of a more realistic scenario, but. Yeah. Anyway, we, I think when we started this, before we started, we said we were not going to spend all the time talking about Jabari <laughs> Parker, and, and here we are. So I don't know. I don't have anything else to add at this point. We'll we'll kind of play it as it lies, and I'm sure we'll talk about it many more times before the summer's over.
Yeah, we definitely will. And like I said, I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, I think we'll be able to talk about it all of next week if we want. And who knows, maybe even the week after that. So uh, we can kind of leave that for now. Um, what we do need to talk about is something that's actually happening. There will be... Uh, I was going to say actual basketball, but that is a lie because it's summer league basketball. So it's not actual basketball, but uh, there will be a team in a Bucks uniform that gets on a basketball court and there will be officials for a game. So I guess technically there will be basketball played. Um, summer league in Las Vegas gets kicked off for the Bucks here on Friday. Friday, July 6th will be their first game against the Detroit Pistons at 6. And uh, really by the time we reconvene, I think we'll probably wait until uh, after the Bucks play on Sunday night against the Mavericks. Uh, that's a 6 p.m. Central uh, start time as well. I think we'll probably wait until after then and then record a little bit uh, about you know, kind of what's going on there, but there should be actual basketball this weekend and that'll give us something to talk about, which will be exciting, but it'll also give us a kind of a first look at Dante DiVincenzo, which I think is exciting. And then our first extended look in a long time at DJ Wilson, which may not be as exciting, but uh, still, I think somewhat important. Like it is something that you know, you don't want to whiff on a first round pick. So uh, I think there'll be a little bit of that as well. Uh, and I, I guess I, I always kind of think of I'm trying to parse it. I think of summer league basketball more as a, a thought of thought experiment than actual <laughs> basketball, because like, you're, you're never seeing any of these people in, in their actual settings, right? Like there's never going to be a time where, Dante DiVincenzo is the Bucks' best player. Like, certainly not while Giannis is here, or Chris is here, or Bledsoe's here. Um, like, as you go down the list, like, there's probably not a time where he's going to be the Bucks' best player, but in this strange basketball environment that's been created, like, he will be the Bucks' best player. And I think in the past, that's led to some strange stuff. Like, that's led to Rashad Vaughn taking 22 shots and trying to go to the basket. That's led uh, to Thonmaker generally looking like he's never played basketball before. Um, that puts DJ Wilson in some awkward situations because all those guys are being asked to be, you know, things that they're not. Because I don't care for shot. You mean Vaughn. you mean you mean good basketball players? <laughs> Sorry. Dang. Sorry. Zing. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. But like, I will never care if Rashad Vaughn can be the primary ball handler on a team. I care if he can sit his ass in the corner and hit a three when the ball is passed to him. And in summer league, like he has to create. So you don't really get to find that out. And uh, I, I mentioned it when Dante DiVincenzo was first drafted, but I do think this will be somewhat interesting to watch and see, um, you know, can he actually do some of the creating? Because I think if he is going to have any sort of upside, he does need to be able to do a little uh, creating, even if it's just off ball, even if it's just second side stuff, like he does need to be able to do some of that. So uh, I think that makes this one of the more interesting summer leagues that we've had in a while and there is a, a report from ben steiner i'm not 100 sure if that's how you pronounce it uh, but he does 
cover the NBA over at Hoops Habit, and he's reporting that it's unlikely Dante DiVincenzo will play in the Bucks' first summer league game on Friday. Uh, he has an unspecified injury that has held him out with some practices. We'll see if he gets the go tomorrow. So um, that's kind of sad news, I think, but obviously it is not worth risking any sort of injury for summer league basketball. But um, I, I do think if he does get to play – to to me, it's kind of an exciting time to actually watch some league basketball because most of the time I'm not nearly as excited about it because largely I'm seeing guys in roles that will never, ever matter in the NBA. I mean, interestingly, the, the, especially interesting for, for guys like DJ Wilson and uh, Dante DiVincenzo because, I mean, they weren't players on their college teams before they got here i mean divincenzo was i mean a six man obviously which has been talked about a lot and um while he was you know nominally certainly better than some of the starters ahead of him um you know he was a role player in, in college and and so was was dj wilson last year before he came to um came to summer league as well so so yeah i mean i, I think i don't know i feel like ever since i've been going to summer league i mean i, I haven't been the last couple of years um I, there was a long stretch where i went every year starting in 08 um i, I just go every year and Man, Bucks just like were always generally like pretty pretty disappointing in summer league, um, and you certainly look at the guys they have now. Um, as you said, it, it, it is kind of interesting because you know you're asking um, you know Divincenzo, but but also Sterling Brown, DJ Wilson, um, among the kind of roster guys to play you know play up certainly from from what they would normally get to do i mean it's much more like what they would do in a g league game right and, and dj wilson obviously played a bunch of g league games um unfortunately he had lots of g league creps last year um so this is kind of more much more like that where it's like all right go go make some stuff happen so um so it'll be interesting to see i mean i think um a lot of times you know i think the having i think especially like good point guard play tends to facilitate like better summer league basketball overall obviously the bucks don't have a you know kind of roster guy um jaquan lewis i don't know who i don't know if you got the roster for you i know jaquan lewis was a herd guy last year um who who is going to be on the squad this summer i don't know if he's going to like start as the point guard um but certainly when divincenzo is back um you would hope that we would get to see him initiate a little bit just because you know again we heard the discussion mike budenholzer saying that that he thought divincenzo could guard point guards I think you asked him about playing point guard. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily something he's done in, in college because they don't really need him to do that. But, you know, again, I mean, I think it is instructive to to put guys in those sorts of situations, stretch out their capabilities a little bit and see if that's something that, that they can handle. And, I mean, we saw it a few years ago, right, with, with Malcolm Brogdon, was not a point guard in college, but they basically just ran him at point guard in Vegas. He wasn't great. Um, his shot was really bad, bad. Um, but he actually did a really nice job taking care of the ball. Um, had a really, I think, what, what was it? I, think, I still think it was like 22 one? assists. I, I thought it was 22 assists and three turnovers or something yeah. like that. It, it was like a really great assist to turnover ratio. Um, and it's scary that I think I remember that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, it's like it's kind of hard because, again, especially with the rookies, a lot of times they're going to struggle regardless and lots of good rookies like can't shoot for crap in, in Vegas. Um, and so a lot of it's really more like the process, right? Like, can they generate good looks? You know, do they look comfortable um, defensively? Do they, you know, not look out of their uh, out of their depth playing against, um, you know, maybe not obviously NBA talent, but, but certainly like more of a men's uh, man's game than, than maybe they faced in in uh, in college. So I think you know, 
I mean, Sterling Brown, I, I think Sterling Brown, you expect him to hopefully come out and, and bring his intensity that we saw even last year at the NBA level. Hopefully he looks very comfortable this year. Um, I think DJ Wilson probably has the most to prove just because he's a second year guy and second year guys who don't show progress. I think generally you really worry about. Um, and with DiVincenzo, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, you know, and, and again, uh, I would imagine it sounds like I'm assuming it's a legitimate injury and not a my contract hasn't officially been signed yet injury. Um, we hasn't haven't seen him actually get locked in yet. Um, not that we expect him to be traded, but if he does sign, then officially he'll um, he can't be traded for 30 days, which whatever. That's just kind of one of those things. But um, but yeah, hopefully we do get to see Dante and hopefully, um, you know, I guess the thing I would most want to see is, you know, what does his shot look like? And can he defend, you know, both of backcourt positions? And can he put the ball on the floor a little bit and do something with the ball? Because certainly, you know, uh, we didn't necessarily see him in, in this kind of even role um, in college. So I don't know. what Any other kind of those guys, anything you're kind of – I just kind of glossed over all three of sort of the, the main guys that we probably care about. But anybody that you're kind of really – like thinking about or wanting to see things from among the kind of the roster guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with Dante Divincenzo, the thing for me is all of those things that can make him more than a role player. Like, if I can see him run a pick and roll and you know make a read and understand where the pass is going you know can he make uh, a lot of times in the nba they're going to take away the pick and roll in the middle and your role man so can you make that skip it like i want to see him make all of those reads and even if those reads aren't 100 percent correct all the time i would like to you know be able to at least see that everything was moving in the right direction, if that makes any sense, that, you know, he was actually reading the play and could kind of see what all that was, go like, where all that was going. And then I think in the same way, um, can he get a shot off? Uh, to me, that's going to be super interesting because uh, I think if there's there's maybe something that you worry about with him, it's, you know, does he have enough shake off the dribble? Can he get by guys? Can If he can't get by guys, does does he have a step back that works? Like, how does he, how I guess, how does he create? Like, that's just kind of what I want to know because I think that's really uh, what matters most for him and his upside at the next level. Like, I, I think I have some level of confidence that he'll be able to be a catch and shoot guy and do some of that. But I want to see if he does have any of those other things, or if he is just a catch and shoot guy, because I just think that could end up being uh, really important for him and kind of how he develops at the next level. So that'll be something I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, Sterling Brown, I think it'd be nice. Like you said, you mentioned that Malcolm Brogdon, uh, that Malcolm Brogdon kind of summer league where he was just, you know, maybe not spectacular and scoring a bunch of points, but just doing all the little things, taking care of the basketball and then, you know, knocking down shots when he gets a chance. Like to me, that would be all the stuff I want to see out of Sterling Brown, because I do tend to think of him as a three and D wing. And, you know, with DiVincenzo out, maybe he has to turn into more of a, more of a creator and we saw him do some of that at SMU but at the same time that's not really something that I'm overly concerned with so I think all that's interesting and then I mean DJ Wilson just hit some shots like if if I can see a little bit of pick and pop and hitting some of those shots and you know showing a general understanding of where to go on the floor like I I don't know if I saw those things last year 
And uh, I, I, to me, that would that would give me some comfort that you know he he did pick something up in that year, and he did you know kind of find a way to do that. And then in, in the end, just freaking compete, man. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's still a question with DJ Wilson: is how much does he want this? How much does he want to compete? And again, like you said, if you don't see some of that stuff in the second year, well, okay, you're probably not going to see it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think for DJ, I mean, this is something I, I remember going back uh, ahead of the draft, listening to our, our draft podcast from a year ago. And it, one of the things that we talked about was how, and neither of us really knew a whole lot about him, but just kind of watching him, reading about him, it seemed like he played smaller than his mm-hmm. size, right? I mean, he has very good measurables. I mean, he's 6'11 in shoes, 7'3 wingspan, 230-some pounds. I mean, his measurables nominally are very similar to, to Giannis's. Yep. Um, but what he gets out of them is, uh, yeah, not, not, I mean, it's really not NBA worthy at this point. And he plays, he, you know, to me, the kind of best thing I can describe it by from, from having seen him and granted, I didn't watch him much in, in with the Wisconsin herd. Um, but he didn't really impress there either. Really wasn't particularly effective, had some, you know, decent scoring games, but wasn't overall very effective. But, you know, he's a guy who, I just worry because he doesn't play with much force. He doesn't play with much power or strength. Um, you know, it was no secret that he didn't rebound well. Um, not that he doesn't try on defense. Um, you know, he, he has, I think, the feet to to be an, a solid defender. Um, but, uh, you know, offensively, even though he has like, you know, he grew up a more of a wing and he has some wing skills and he can dribble a little bit, but he doesn't really beat anybody off the dribble. Like he's one of those guys who sort yeah. of like, dribbles around a bit and then settles for kind of like tough like mid-range shots or you know sort of in-between shots which are just low percentage things like you don't really see him taking a big guy and using like his his handle and, and wing skills to to then create an easy shot um so i think you know and again that may just not be something he ever does and to be honest in the nba you know really what's probably his his role comes down to is can he hit threes quickly can he you know does he have a tr- quick trigger on threes and is he a reliable three-point shooter and then can he compete well enough defensively that, you know, you trust him to to switch and, and defend his man and, you know, not get overwhelmed by by the physicality of NBA players. And so we'll see. I mean, clock is ticking. I think, you know, he's uh, I mean, we should be clear, right? Like nobody wins or loses a spot in a rotation at Summer League. Um, you can lose a roster spot. Um, if you're really bad or you can win a roster spot, if you're like a free agent, you just blow everybody away. Um, but really you're just trying to, I think, build some confidence and show what you can do going into training camp. And then, you know, that's really going to be, I mean, this is a huge training camp for DJ Wilson. I mean, he's, he's got, he, the, the, the bucks have to make a decision on his third year team option. And if they don't see, I think real improvement from him, you know, why would you lock up another three million dollars, almost three million dollars in in commitments next year? Um, you know, not this coming year, but for the following year, um, when you know, again, you want to have cap flexibility. Why why commit to that if uh, if you don't think this guy's going to figure it out? So, so yeah, I, he's got a huge, you know, it's big summer league and an even bigger training camp coming for DJ Wilson. And then um, again, this is the time when you you expect him to, you know, if he's going to make something of himself, he's got to do it now and. We saw it a year ago. I mean, Thon was really bad in summer league, and it was a harbinger of not really growing as a player. And he 
didn't get you know he was not a better player going into last season and um obviously he kind of randomly figured some stuff out in the playoffs but um i don't know i i think he's he's obviously a guy who um you know there's a whole separate set of questions but he does not have the question about his competitiveness, at least. Um, so you hope that DJ Wilson at least can uh, may- maybe hopefully he was watching what Thon did in the playoffs, um, because if he can uh, kind of at least play with some of that sort of intensity and, and competitiveness, and then, yeah, he can definitely be an NBA player. But, you know, again, um, measurables are, are only going to take you so far. And it's uh, it's a fine line between, you know, being a guy who on paper looks like he should be an NBA player and actually being an NBA player. And you know, there's there's other guys on this summer league roster who I think are good examples of that. And the bad news for DJ Wilson is I don't know if there's a camp Giannis to bail him out because uh, at the moment Giannis is over in Greece uh, saving old men who fall in the streets and uh, just being a generally good human being. So the the Dedekumbo Bros 5K is this weekend. So you know if he has two bad games to start, there's no oh he's going to Milwaukee to work with Giannis for a couple days. Oh this was the plan all along um like yeah like like thon last year exactly. <laughs> uh there's there's you're gonna have to get through it so uh i think it'll i mean yeah it is it, this is i mean this is put up a shut up time for dj wilson like you you got to find a way um i think both of us want to discuss one other guy on the roster um, I don't think you you have any Tim Quarterman hot takes or uh, James Blackman Jr. hot takes. Uh, I don't think you have either of those. But uh, the one guy I, I do think both of us are really interested by is Christian Wood. We we mentioned it a little bit earlier this week, and I got to say, Fourth of July in the middle week is really throwing me off because it feels like it was a totally different week um, beforehand. But at the start of this week, we talked a little bit about Christian Wood being on the summer league roster and. I, I'm, man. I'm gonna. It's gonna be fun to see what he can do because uh, he is someone that you know. I kind of, uh, I, I pegged as someone I I thought the Bucks would be interested in when they drafted Rashad Vaughn, and uh, the reason I said so is because well, he's a number of the things that uh, that the Bucks under John Hammond liked. Uh, he was six eleven. I think he had a good-sized wingspan. Uh, he was just 19 years old. He was a former McDonald's All-American. Uh, there was a, a whole lot to like there, and uh, he ended up falling in that draft because of, I mean, the reason why he hasn't really caught in the NBA at this point is because of, you know, character concerns. and or I shouldn't say character concerns, but motor concerns. Uh, will this guy play hard every night? Will he uh, find a way to get the most out of his skills? Is he willing to work hard? Like, all of those things have kind of plagued Christian Wood for the entirety of his uh, his professional basketball career as he's tried to, you know, find a way uh, and find his way onto an NBA roster consistently. And, uh, I mean, I... You just look at the dude, 6'11", he's athletic as hell. Uh, he, uh, Both of us were doing uh, some scouting. You know, we really dug in into the film. Uh, <laughs> we're watching film, yeah, really, really crunching videotape over here. <laughs> and when I, when I say that, I mean, well, we looked at some stuff up on YouTube and uh, read some scouting reports from our good friends at Two Ways in Ten Days and it kind of looked at But, I mean, I, I just feel, and I said this to you before we started recording, but... To me, he feels like the type of guy that uh, I think you really want on a two-way. And the reason I say that is I feel like a lot of times on the two-way, you're getting a guy that is undersized, maybe not quite athletic enough, um, you know, just 
there's some physical limitation for why that guy is not in the NBA. And, you know, but still, they're doing great. They, they've been able to find a way to be efficient. They found a way to get their shot off. They found a way to contribute defensively. Like, they've found some way to persevere. Well, Christian Wood is kind of the opposite of that. Like, he's got the tools, or I shouldn't say he's got the tools, but he has some tools, and he's got an intriguing frame, and he's got that intri- intriguing athleticism. He just hasn't been able to put it together mentally, and I just feel like, you know, if that's a guy that you grab on one of your two ways, the Bucks both have both two ways currently filled, uh, but, you know, if he kind of pops here in the next couple weeks, and you think, okay, maybe he's a, a, a better fit for us, I mean, I think it'd be... I mean, I think he's the type of guy I think you really want in the G League. If you're looking for a home run kind of swing at the G League level rather than just a, a smaller uh, guy that might not ever make it in the NBA, like, I feel like he's one of those guys. Yeah, he's, it's an interesting contrast, um, you know, comparing him to somebody like Marshall Plumley, who, um, you know, the Bucks have made uh, made qualifying offers to both their uh, two-way guys from last year, so they're not under contract right now, but nominally – I mean, again, this is like the first year we've had to to make qualifying offers to to uh, uh, two way guys in the in the first place. So who knows kind of what happens there? But but I think he's an interesting c- contrast to Plumley because Plumley is just like a dyed in the wool sort of role player. Like there's no illusion that that Marshall Plumley is ever going to be more than just a Plumley um, who just you know dunks stuff and is like big and strong and you know just sort of like can run through stuff, but isn't going to ever like have really any sort of dynamic, you know, skill or anything like that. Um, Christian Wood is very different. I mean, he's, you know, like you said, he's kind of like a probably like tweener five guy. I think in, you know, the modern NBA, he's going to have to, you know, be strong enough and capable enough probably to, to, you know, work as a five. Um, but you know, he's a guy who you look at his productivity in the G league. I mean, he's been in the G league three years now. Um, last year he averages over 23 points, 10 boards, um, almost two blocks or two assists. Um, finally started making some threes, 32% on, on almost four per game attempted, um, and shot 80% from the line, shot a bunch of free throws, shot 61% on twos. So just like a very efficient guy, you know, really filled up the box score. Um, and overall, I mean, he's been effective throughout his, his G league career. You know, you look at his advanced numbers. I mean, he's always been effective. Um, but last year kind of really raised that game to, to another level. And I was also the first year that he didn't play in the NBA at all. He played, um, had kind of cups of coffee with the Sixers and Hornets his first couple of years. So, um, um, you know, he's a guy who's gotten better. Um, you kind of watch him play. Um, as you mentioned, the two ways, 10 days scouting report on him. You know, he's not like a post guy, like, which is, is good. I'd say it's <laughs> cause there's like, you know, you're, you're not going to go from being a G league or, you know, post up guy to then going and getting post touches in the NBA on a 10 day contract. Like that ain't how it's going to work. You're not going to get post touches, but yeah, he's much more of a kind of face up guy. Um, he can attack off the dribble. Um, we've obviously, you know, he's, he's developed a bit of an upper ability to, to shoot uh, the three ball a little bit as well. Not certainly not like a knockdown shooter by any stretch. Um, but a guy who is also just, just like really fluid with the ball and, and you kind of watch some of his highlights and, you know, the, the Euro steps and, and finishes that he's shown putting the ball in the deck, I think is, you know, very impressive for a guy his size. And, um, you know, certainly a guy who, you know, if you told me that he was trying to watch Giannis highlight reels a little bit wouldn't surprise me. Obviously he's no Giannis by, by any stretch whatsoever, but at least offensively, um, you know, that, that he, he at least tries to do some similar things and there's some fluidity there at his size, which, which is really impressive. So, um, yeah, he's, he's a really interesting player. And, um, you know, again, I think, um, it would be great to see him start along with DJ Wilson just to sort of compare and contrast and, 
you know, it's this is one of these tests, right? Like if you go into the the summer league and you're watching Christian Wood and you're watching DJ Wilson and, you know, if Christian Wood is, for instance, clearly the superior player, um, I mean, that tells you something about both about both players, right? Um, you know, that, that maybe, uh, you know, you might not want to acknowledge given that one of them has an NBA contract with the Bucs and the other doesn't. So, um, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think in general, I've never gone to summer league thinking like, oh, the Bucks are going to sign a guy from their team to be, a, you know, the 15th man that really has not happened. Um, but now with the two ways as an option, um, that's certainly something that, that maybe you see. And, you know, for a guy like Christian Wood, as good as he's been in the G League, um, you know, normally you kind of wonder, like, is, is it something where a guy actually would want to take a two-way and lock into that? Um, but clearly he's a guy who wants to play in the NBA. And, and again, obviously locking up a, a two-way contract, you know, guarantees you a few hundred thousand dollars as opposed to, you know, tens of thousands of dollars yep. so um if you do get that offer there uh, there definitely could be something to be said for for just locking something in as a, as a two-way guy and and as i'd we be said, curious you know, with the way that the bucks use two ways too if they're viewed as an attractive team for guys because the bucks really didn't waste any time using those those days up right yeah like yeah. you know that you're probably going to get all your guaranteed money uh you're going to get all of your days and then the bucks are going to make a decision on you Right. So and, I, I think that would probably be attractive if I'm one of these guys like to know that, you know, I'm going to get a chance at the NBA level and I'm going to get those days. And, you know, if they like me and I impress in those days, OK, then maybe I get an NBA spot. And if not, then I get to move on to the next team and, and try to do it all over again. Yeah. And certainly for a guy like Wood, I mean, you know, if he's trying to carve out a career as, as more of a, a center in the NBA, um, you know, as we said, I mean, the Bucks obviously are, are kind of weird at that position given that they have, you know, a guy in Henson that, you know, is kind of an unconvincing starter. Thon is, you know, depending on how you view Thon, either like not an NBA player <laughs> or, or like the long-term solution at center, yeah. uh, depending on whether you watch him in the regular season or the playoffs. Um, and then you've got Zeller who, I mean, I mean, Tyler Zeller could be a cap casualty because it was a non-guaranteed deal. Um, we don't know, but he was also actually a pretty productive player last year. And, and then we have all the other stuff around, you know, do Ursan and, and Giannis get more center minutes this year as well. So potentially, like, th- there could potentially be, you know, no minutes for other big men on this roster. Or um, we haven't even, I didn't even mention DJ Wilson in that conversation. Um, or that, you know, who knows? Maybe if you see some injuries to a couple of those guys, um, maybe a guy in a two-way contract like Wood or somebody else could actually get a look. So, um, so yeah, I think I think Wood's an interesting guy, and I think it also highlights too. And I think this was a mistake that the Bucks made, probably that they realized pretty quickly last year was, you know, locking up two-way guys who are straight out of college. The odds of those guys being right away like useful NBA players is just lower right and they kind of I think quickly realize like okay Bronson Koenig and Jalen Moore who you know had kind of other um, off-court mental health stuff that he wanted to take care of um, you know they decided to kind of go a different direction and and sure enough obviously the guys that they ended up you know going with Plumlee you know had gotten some NBA time with the Knicks the previous year Um, Munford's obviously been around for a little while um and, you know, in general, like, you know, Gary Payton second, obviously, I mean, he played for them uh, the previous year and, and obviously was was eventually a two-way guy. So so I think there's there's also value in kind of waiting to find guys who are a little more proven at the professional level, even if they are just G League guys. Um, just because, again, I think, you know, all things being equal, um, an undrafted player, a lot of times there's a reason why the guy's an undrafted player. Um, and, and a lot of times those guys do need a couple years of professional play to kind of you know, really figure out how they can contribute at the NBA level, go through some summer leagues, go through some training camps, things like that, before they kind of get it. Um, and again, I think that it's going to be interesting. Christian Wood, 
you know, again, the questions about his, his defense. I mean, in a lot of ways, like, he's a guy who could very easily just be, like, the G League all-star who just, I mean, if he doesn't figure it out defensively, if he, you know, doesn't figure out how to be a role player enough with those skills offensively, he could never be used. So maybe he is never useful to an NBA team, right? And, and I think he's those types of players are always interesting because they figure out, like, how do they adapt from being, you know, star G League players to, you know, sort of regular 14th, 15th, or in this case, 16th and 17th men at the NBA level. And and that's, that's again, that's where guys like Plumlee, who, who don't even try to be more than kind of what they are, even regardless of what, what level they're playing at, a lot of times those guys have an advantage just because play hard defensively crash the board offensively and he won't try to do, do anything offensively that's sort of out of his out of his skill set and um again i think it's kind of most fascinating philosophical things about which guys you you roll the dice on um as far as you know your two ways and, and who you give time to during the regular season all right i think that's gonna be it i think those are the intriguing things here with summer league uh obviously we'll be watching those games and seeing kind of what we think and you know you hope that divincenzo is able to play a lot but you know you don't want to risk anything so maybe we'll see on friday maybe we won't maybe we'll see him on sunday maybe we won't that is all for us to find out so we'll see exactly what happens in those games we'll talk to you after the one on sunday and we'll have our podcast ready for you guys on monday enjoy the weekend for frank men i'm eric name this has been lockdown bucks we'll talk to you on monday